our big comeback episode of What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankmick. Rebecca Merkel. And here we are, gazing out at a beautiful October. I just, this October has been... Real good. Shockingly good. It's the long summer. It's not really fallish yet. It's just being the long summer. But it's getting very pretty. Lots of little... Lots of... Well, it's just more like the first, what do you say, first 25% of fall. Like a good, the color, it's not that much of it yet, but it's enough to make you notice all the time that it's going to be fall. gestures. (laughs) Yeah. It's late this year. Yeah. We had a really long. Grass is randomly green. Like that never happens in October. It's crazy. Doesn't it sometimes kind of do a little resurgence? Well, some of them, there's a little fiddle around the edges, but right now it's green. Yeah. It's crazy. That's fun. Also, also, I think that two episodes ago, whatever it was that happened to that one in the universe just ate it, sort of, and it, we never okay. put it out there. I feel like that was the episode in which I told people that Jemima is doing cooking school in London. Mm. And so anyways, that's happening. And she's been gone for more than a month now, which is... That surprises me. (laughs) It surprises me, too. And it's kind of really nice because it means it's going sort of fast. But on the other hand, it goes real, real slow. Yes. This last, this, uh, we're entering the season where everyone is experiencing time that way. Yeah, it's weird. So slow, but so So fast fast. at the same time. And uh, so anyway, Gemma's been in London for the last month. And she's doing Cordon Bleu Cooking School, Introduction to French Cooking. And she will be back at Christmas. But... The other plot twist was that um, a guy that we like very much flew over there to visit her with a ring. So she is now engaged. And here we go again. But engaged. <laughs> engaged in, in England and right in now. England. So I think I may have may have said on the podcast, I know I said to you, I never should have said it out loud. I definitely said it to you and I said it to Ben. It's like, I don't think that we could ever do a Merkel wedding amidst such chaos Mm. as Bell's. But it's like, oh, oh, no, I think we're going to make a run for it. I actually think, I think the question is, could there be a Merkel wedding (laughs) not in such chaos? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's going to be the way it goes. I think it's just going to be the Merkel way. Yeah. So anyway, she's engaged. She's in London. We're trying to, like, kind of plan something with a major time difference between us and her with a rather intense class schedule. Yeah, it's fun. And, uh, yeah, so that's going to be... You thought you guys were done hearing me talk about weddings, but you were not. No. You were not done. It'll be a long time before you'll be done with that. (laughs) I know. Um, And then you'll be launching that. But the thing is, I need to tell you this random thing because it does link into this Jemima subject weirdly. Um, so for a long time, I've had this kind of weird uh, interest and felt like I needed to pursue it of finding out about Constance Spry. So she was this English woman who I had heard about in various ways. Like, I think she was sort of a, she was a florist, but she ran a school for like housekeepers, I think. Like, mm, on, mm-hmm. I think she was a kind of early 20th century British Martha Stewart or something. I'm not really sure. But anyway, I had felt like I need to find out more about Constance Pry, And I knew that she's the one who had invented coronation chicken for Queen Elizabeth's coronation. And that is one that we kind of picked up when we were in England. And I have it in my soup night cookbook. Probably a very inauthentic version of the recipe, but still... It's one that we have eaten and, like, Uh folded into life. And I knew Constance Bry had been one of the ones who invented that. Well, then Jemima goes over to England to go to the Cordon Bleu. She got there right after the Queen died. So she did that epic 14-hour queue. Like, she did it. Went through into Westminster and saw the Queen, paid her respects to the Queen. I don't know if she saw her, but you know what I mean. And then she got up early and went to the funeral procession. So she saw everybody, like saw the royal family, saw Biden, (laughs) saw the president of France. So really, she kind of like 
towards the first world leaders. <laughs> met with everyone. Week. But anyhow, I discovered, like, after she was over there, um, that apparently Constance Spry was one of the principals of Cordon Bleu cooking school. And they were the ones who made the coronation chicken for the Queen's coronation, which is totally random since Gemma was, like, over there at the school for the funeral. Anyway, meanwhile, Ben had, for my birthday, had drummed up from somewhere in England and ordered a book by Constance Spry and gave it to me for my, birth for my birthday. And I have been reading that. I started the other day. And... It is the most crazy. She wrote it in the middle of the war when they were all on rations. Mm -hmm. And it's called Come to the Garden Cook. And she's, it's this big, like, everybody, stop being silly and go plant some things because we could still have delicious food. Even though we have mm -hmm. rations, you mm -hmm. just have to have a better attitude. And you got to get up and make something of it. And just, you know, don't be miserable. Go. Why can't I you remember know. the name of that woman that wrote How to Cook a Wolf? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I read though, that book in a similar, it's similar yeah, in the like. This, there is nothing, Rachel, that will make you feel more like a horrible, greedy, fat pig wallowing in luxury <laughs> than this book. <laughs> because it's like, because they're on rations. So a family of four got eight eggs per month. So it's like, what do you do with those precious eggs that you're going to have? So wow. she's all about like, you're going to add one egg yolk, but don't worry. You're going to use the white in the whatever. And then it's like, if you don't have enough milk, you can use half vegetable water from boiling your vegetables. And it's margarine because, of course, nobody can get butter or cream. Yeah. So it's like, if you have enough margarine to spare, put a little dab on top of this and there's one recipe that's out a tablespoon and a half of margarine. And it's for something like Jerusalem artichokes to feed six or something. A tablespoon and a half of margarine. And it says, I know this seems dear, but you're going to, some of it will run off and you can save it to use again. And you're just like, did I, or did I not just throw away half a block of cream cheese? Cause I thought it had sat on the counter too long. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just shocking but the thing she keeps doing is saying like if english women would learn to cook and she keeps saying apparently the french women did but the english women did not know how to cook and so basically they just ate what the rations were and she's like if you just take a little bit of time and effort to learn how to do this you could still be eating delicious food and it's really weird to think of in the 40s having a problem with all the women in the nation had never been taught to cook. And she's trying to get them to do it in wartime. And Is like, that because they had people who servants. had money, had servants who cooked for them? Maybe. And people who, yeah. But what were people who didn't have money doing? I don't know. I mean, I presumably, know. maybe well, they were just okay. One thing, eating the basic things that when didn't... When we lived in England, I was actually quite surprised at how much prepared food was in the grocery stores. Like, it seemed... I totally would have assumed that America would be far heavier on that, but it's not. Like, England, like, the prepared food aisles is, like, three to one how much we have here in a grocery okay, store. Okay, although I'm going to just say it. I have to get this out. Yeah. Just... Just because we can't have an episode go by without controversial statements. Yeah, yeah, sure. This is how I feel every natural health food store is. It's like oh, yeah. it's like seventy nine percent prefab meals, and the rest of it is obscure lotions and yeah. potions that you didn't know that you. It's interesting, isn't it? And but there is there's usually a little a little slice of like bulk legumes or something so mm -hmm. you that yeah. which is what takes me to them so anyway the in the um prepared food thing though while we lived there i wasn't sure if it was just my imagination that it seemed like a lot of prepared food and then i bought a jamie oliver cookbook that he says in the introduction that england eats more prepared food than the rest of europe combined or something so i felt like it's something that happened long ago that got into the yeah. habit, sort of, of how, how people do things. Who knows why? 
mm-hmm. back up the way up the chain. But anyhow, it does seem like there's always an excuse to not get good at it. And I like this lady's attitude of, of just come on, suck <laughs> it up and decide you're going to own this. I think what's interesting is that we can have all kinds of excuses because you could have the excuse that it's not worth cooking for two people in your house, or you could have the excuse that it's too hard to cook for 10 people Mm -hmm. in your house, Mm -hmm. or you could have the excuse that it's so easy to get other food, or you could have the excuse that it's so uh, hard to, it's so hard to get good food to make, to learn to make. It just seems like we're always, if you were the enemy and you wanted to keep that culture from happening of people, um, investing themselves in, in sort of a, well, I guess I would say a gratitude filled expression of love for the people Mm -hmm. around them. Like, Mm -hmm. like embracing the things and the opportunities that God has given you to make them more beautiful and more palatable and more yeah. um, lovely to experience to everyone. And it's very true that I think it does make you slow down and appreciate it more oh, yeah. when you had to have a bit of struggle for it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. It definitely makes a little you bit of look struggle. Twice. A little bit of struggle goes a long way towards appreciating. I think the struggle things. is an essential ingredient in everything. Mm-hmm. If there's no struggle in it, it just is superficial and sad. That sounds a little bit, though, to me, to my jaundiced ear, Becca. That sounds a little bit like the Quakers intentionally putting a mistake. I know you don't things. like that. No, because I just, find, just... It, I find it to be hilarious. The no. thought of there being anything without struggle in this world is like, well... But it's also like, we're going to put in some fake struggle. Becca's just saying struggle is the spice of life. <laughs> it really is, though. I mean, like, you appreciate the spring so much after it's been a cold winter. You know, you appreciate yeah. the sun after it's been dark. You just... These are, whoa, there's a big fire over there. Look at that. Mm. I bet that they're burning off their brush or something. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I thought this one was a real sort of kick in the pants to think harder. Those are always really good reminders. Mm -hmm. Those things where Mm -hmm. you're like, wow, how have I gotten into my easy chair of life and (laughs) not really, not really been expressing that gratitude and diligence yeah. and yeah um, and great. I do think Constance Spry, Spry was not a good person just to clarify lest anyone okay. think I'm putting her out there as a role model for us all I don't think she was but I do think she was um yeah, she had her she served her purpose she did and she was representing something that was um impressive I think an impressive attitude which yeah. was, I think there was a lot of that in England during the war. They're like, we're all going to pull together and do well, our duty. Yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah. Anyways. So I have a my changing, changing the subject. Yeah. Rather dramatically. But so we've talked about this before in the past. Okay. I'm sure. Probably. But I'm just back to talk about it. Somebody sent it to me. I think they sent it to me pretty sure asking if we talk about it on the podcast and I looked at this post and I was playing catch up on it like I was not oh not really super tuned into the whole scene that this post was referencing okay but I did I read it the post and then I read a bunch of the comments on the post and I felt like I'd gone on a trip to a land where I do not hang out. Okay. Where I was like, what is even happening here? Yeah. Because it is a Christian, it is a probably just pop evangelical. I don't, you know, like, I can't tell where all of these women are coming from, but I can tell you they're not at the forefront of the Reformation. <laughs> they're, they're somewhere where they're taking... Christianity very culturally and very, you know, it's just, it's just a really interesting, it was like, wow, this is interesting. Okay. So there's this meme going around that I didn't realize was going around Mm -hmm. until I saw this, but was a, uh, that's a group of ladies 
Oh, probably from the 40s, standing in their swimsuits. Oh, yeah. Oh, and no, it's I like saw the it. new yeah. homecoming dresses or yeah. something. Well, right. and I have... First of all, I feel like there's a lot of layers there. Because yeah. I don't think any of them were being appropriate in the 40s to be right. standing in those, you know, cone bra swimsuits with their heels on. They they are cute because they look like Vintage-y, wholesome. yeah. Well, and they look like wholesomely feminine girls. Yeah. Like... To our modern eye, they do not seem like hookers, but no. they were not, certainly not the super pious crowd sure. of the time either. So, you know, right. there's sure. whatever. And then obviously the judgment there is on what people are letting their daughters wear to homecoming, you know, right. like that. Right. Obviously, this is a snide remark about, I seen your post about your team going... I saw that going around, and I've also seen a lot of weird fracas and... Oh, yeah, everybody's everybody's having a real fracas about it, for sure. Well, I didn't see it there. I just saw people remarking about other people's homecoming sleazy talks. Okay, well, I'll tell you that... (laughs) And the funny thing is, I I stand 100% by... People should not be sending out the sleazy girls to homecoming. I'm like, there's just nothing about this is acceptable or normal. And let's just throw it in here at the same time that having inviting a girl to prom be like a proposal scene is also unbelievably dumb. Like the whole whole scenario is as dumb as I feel like it could be. But the post that somebody sent me was someone who corrected it, who... Okay. You know, did a, like, there, I fixed it for okay. you. Okay. And um, I wish I could remember who she was. I never did. I don't know who she was. But the point is, she has a following. And apparently, okay. at some less enlightened time of her life, she also actually wrote a viral post about how women ought to be modest. And I wouldn't be surprised mm. if she was the famous yoga pants oh, woman. Oh, sure. But she's had a... But she's come of come age. Around. She's yeah. come of age now. And so she fixed that up by saying something like how these women in the 40s would be really surprised that we're still objectifying women's bodies or something <laughs> like that. We're still trying to sexualize things that are not sexual. And here's here's what <laughs> Almost the things, as if bodies might don't, be sexual. Okay, but this, and there are so many layers to this. Oh, like, it's so dumb. Because then when I'm reading the comments, you're just getting blown further and further <laughs> away by the things that people are saying. <laughs> okay. I'd like to open up these remarks by just saying, if you grew up in purity culture, and by purity culture, I'm not saying pure. I'm saying what people think of as the purity culture yeah. of like, you yeah. may not go swimming unless you're wearing boys basketball shorts and a sweatshirt on top of that or whatever. Right. Whatever rule bound society yeah. you were in yeah. as a youth that if that's coming between you and God or you and God's word, then purity culture is closer to God than you are. And exactly. that's, and it's just like, I don't care how dumb it was. Yeah. You're dumber to run away from scripture because someone else recommended snow pants. It's for it just kills me because I'm like, okay, yeah, there was some weird old stuff that went weird. down yeah, in the sure. purity culture. But you know what? There's other people in the world who have actual this problems. Was, this was Luke's <laughs> this was Luke's comment. Well, if you read the thread, there were so many captivating comments in it that you just were like, Wow. Wow. Like I am on a tour of things. Yeah. Okay, first thing that I thought really stood out here is and that guys, I'm just gonna say it. Women are so dumb. Like so dumb. Because yeah. first of all, no honest woman could say that they don't want their body to be sexual in any way. <laughs> and so the more people are like, the important thing is that we teach boys to be completely indifferent to the female form. <laughs> it's like, well, it's like, yeah. way to kill all the fun in the also, world, guys. Basically, to- <laughs> what we like is a lot of homosexual men. What we're looking for is men who... <laughs> This is exactly it. It's like, guys, women don't like to uncover their bodies because they want more yeah. breeze. No, like they, no. they do it because they want power over people, yeah. right? Yeah. And I was getting so tickled because these comments, 
Luke really cut to the heart of it when he's like, this is how white girls who grew up with two parents in a probably stable community in it, like probably never have been hungry in their yeah. life, found something that they needed to go to a therapist for. <laughs> and, yeah. it, and it was so many comments were things like, this girl who was once told she wasn't allowed to wear the tank top that she really loved yeah, yeah. Can't, can't say preach Let's, enough. And I like know. my therapist Let's just carved her me. story in stone <laughs> as a memorial. I know what they're saying. Her, my therapist has been helping me learn to wear crop tops now. <laughs> they're going to therapy to help them be a modest. <laughs> <laughs> and there, oh, no, I, just, I do want to oh, hasten to say, and this is where the thing that was, <laughs> that was tickling me, I mean, it's terrible. It is actually a terrible, sad tangle. But yes. the reason it's a terrible, sad tangle is they're like, I, as a curvy girl, was made to feel that my body was sinful. Basically, my body was the pro- my body was sinful, and I've got so into vortex about how sinful my body was that now I'm practicing, you know, going nude as often as possible, <laughs> whatever. It's just the weirdest like solution. Yeah. yeah. You're like, you know, it's not good that someone made you feel like yeah, your body yeah. was overtly, the fact that you have a body was sinful. But on the other hand, are you sure they made you feel that way? Or yeah. do you think maybe what happened is that like we're sinners. So yeah. sin actually is caught up in mm-hmm. how we view our body, how we want our body to be viewed. Mm-hmm. So like if you never confessed it, yeah. if you could never be like, well, this is an ungodly thought or this right. is an ungodly approach to my body or mm-hmm. this is an ungodly way to be processing this or I'm being ungrateful or I'm being yeah. you know, proud or whatever. If you never processed the sin then you are just loading your body. Like your whole perception of your body is going to be weighed down with not purity cultures, Mm -hmm. weird expectations, but your own sin. Like you, your perception of your body is going to be heavy because of what you have not. Yeah. And it's like, if you didn't like say your parents were, this is a weird analogy. It might not even work now that I think about it. You felt like your parents violated some rules of the road when they were driving when you were a kid. Like they sped, yeah. they sped or, you or know. Just poor judgment. Yeah. They yeah. just, they were, let's say they were speeders. They sped. Yeah. So you're like, so I have decided <laughs> that I will drive exclusively on the sidewalks now. Yeah. You know, oh, to combat that. Yeah, because I was so troubled because, by this. In because my of youth. the way that they were doing it wrong. Well, the, <laughs> the thing that's really funny so the, a woman who corrected it makes a comment about how they are uh, really raising their boys to just be so respectful mm-hmm. of girls. And mm-hmm. then. <laughs> It's like, well, first off, no, okay, no, no. good, no. good. No. Well, obviously, but my guess is... it is so funny. I was telling Luke about some of these comments that we were dying because it was like, so my teenage boys hang out with girls in cheeky bikinis all the time with, and they're so respectful. And oh, just, I bet, like, I bet. I was like, I bet that this is just, what a blessing. <laughs> what a blessing. This whole situation has come to be. <laughs> and then and then other people are commenting about their daughters who what other stupid Christian women basically told them that their daughter's homecoming dresses mm-hmm. were inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And they were like, listen, she wanted to wear a super plunging neckline and basically a so miniature dress. Girl. And she was like, and I am just like, I am so proud of you for rocking that dress and tree. Oh, and and it, it's the weirdest. But the funny part is not a solitary one of them is actually like trying to go back to scripture. Right. Nobody's trying to be like, there were some confusions. No. When I was growing up, there were some confusions about what modesty is. Yeah. So I'd like to go back and look at what God wants us doing. No, that's no. not what we're doing. What we're doing is wowing the world with our freedom from purity (laughs) culture which is so weird and then one woman was saying to teach her boys the (laughs) 
sorry. Oh, I'm not going to be able to remember all that. I just, it was like to teach her boys the value of the human body and like the female body, like how there's actually so much, she's kind of like sacredness, you know, mm. there's, there are fragments of truth yeah, in all yeah. of this, right? Yeah, so exactly. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I don't believe any of this. I, I absolutely think you want your sons to have a real respect of the female body, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But when someone says, I want my sons to have respect for the female body, therefore I always openly breastfeed in front of them. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. so you want them to respect it. By you disrespecting it? What is the plan here? Yeah, yeah. Luke's comment, because this particular woman was saying she'd had her all of her teenage sons uh, stay for her home birth in the nude, you know, to make them all respect the Talk about body. somebody who's going to need therapy yeah, later. Yeah, that's, that's what Luke was like. And this is and this is the origin story of the three brothers nursing cover <laughs> business. And he's talking about they're going to have tactical tie-offs, carabiners to keep it down. Okay. It is a a seven-point buckling system. Please, please, please don't do this. I was very amused by the three oh, the boy. three brothers nursing covers. <laughs> Don't you think tactical fabrics? <laughs> oh, this is bad. I was realizing, though, this is something we haven't seen yet. (laughs) There is a whole new market ahead of us that we've never imagined. Anyways, my word. All this is to say, it was such a bizarre mosh pit of people, of people who've like never double checked a logical argument in their life, followed by people who were like, basically, my daughter going to prom. Wearing next to nothing yeah. has nothing at all to do with morality <laughs> no, or no. our faith. We're no. just really stoked no. that she loves her body. And and we also are really pleased if our sons can hang out with mostly nude teenage girls and not notice. <laughs> <laughs> it really is a weird problem. It's just a weird it's problem. It's like, you know, you actually really don't want that for your sons. You do no. A, you don't want them to be indifferent to it. B... You don't want them to stay there no. when it is something that causes them mm-hmm. to struggle. That's That would be like, son, please forget everything you've ever heard out of the book of Proverbs. Yeah. Like, yeah. please don't. Don't be diligent to guard your... Like, no. It's so weird. I don't yeah. know. The whole yeah. situation to me was just really funny. And I was like, of course you want your boys. If there was some difficult situation where they needed to help people like like of course there are situations where a man could be confronted with a great deal of immodesty and need to be there and need to act like a man and mind his own heart heart and not well of course that is the case yeah but the idea of thinking we want to just discard the idea that bodies are Mm -hmm actually powerful oh yeah you know it's like i don't know what kind of a boring world y'all are looking for but it's gonna be a big dud it is a weird gnostic sort of asexual but it's so weird because it's driven by a culture of radical sexual perversion Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and who in Mm -hmm. their right mind right now would be saying are young men in this day and age, in a time when porn is being consumed more widely and more prolifically by everyone, mm-hmm. we are at last mature enough to yeah. not it's worry just, about it. It's really weird. It's, 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 it's like a next level from... Oh, yeah. It's like we're going the big well, ways. Well, I was remembering... Okay, so we were at the Fight Laugh Feast conference last week, and... We were, there was a panel with um, Ben and me and mom and dad and Chocolate Knox. 
and I was, I said this there, but I was remembering, we were talking about stories and reading to kids and what kinds of books you raise your kids on and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I was talking about how we had that fantastic little book of the fairy queen, um, St. George and the Dragon, but it's, it's not the whole story of the fairy queen. It's just yeah. sort of an abridged one. It has those terrific illustrations and it was, it's such a great book. But anyway, our kids were totally raised on that. But we told them stories from the actual fairy queen as well that are outside the scope of the book. But because they knew that book and you have the pictures and everything, they knew the characters and everything. And so you have Red Cross Knight and he is supposed to be going with Una, who's the, you know, the good princess. And he's going to go save her kingdom from the dragon. Now, in the kids version, that happens. In the longer one by Spencer first he teams up he leaves Una and he teams up with another woman named Duessa I thought unless I'm wrong doesn't she lure him off the trail like she's like come with me or whatever yeah they end up in the house of pride and and everything and she's I think he goes off and sleeps with her doesn't he well eventually so but she's this beautiful princess who was also in trouble supposedly and so he's being so chivalrous you know to help yeah and but he ditches the the good one and he teams up with the bad one who is the truth like the where he's supposed to be yeah so anyway he goes with duessa and she is this beautiful woman but she's actually a witch and there's the most amazing scene that is the most horrifying thing which eventually after Eventually, he sleeps with Duessa, and then a dragon or a giant comes, and he gets thrown in the prison, and he's having a bad time, and then Arthur comes, and, and of course, Duessa then hooks up with the giant, so now she's with the giant, and Perfect. Red Cross is in the dungeon, but there's the un, unmasking of Duessa, and... I think Una does it, doesn't she? Well, Una's, Una's there... there. And George is there after they've rescued him out of the dungeon. And she's just this disgusting, horrible, foul creature. It's actually creature. a really... Um, it's impressive because it's actually really turns your stomach. I oh, mean, like, it's, it's gross. Not, it's like when you think of running away with someone who's so beautiful. Yeah. And then and it, she has... Doesn't she have like a foxtail that's all like encrusted in dung. dung? and She's all like withered... <laughs> withered with nasty oozing sores. Yes, and like it's this really hideous, vile thing, yeah. but she has this enchantment that makes her look like this beautiful look good. Thing. Well, it's such a great image because like through Proverbs it's like that woman's road will lead you to hell but it's not I'm sure we've said this before, but you shouldn't try to teach your kids that she's ugly and that's why you should look away. Mm-hmm. It's she's dangerous and she's beautiful on and the it's, outside, and, it's not and she's true. she's it's, foul on the inside. Yeah. And so the thing is, is it was such a great like I remember when like Knox was just a little tot, you know, and it was like you may never run away from the dragon. Like if there's <laughs> if there's a dragon, you don't get to run away, but you always run away from Duessa, mm-hmm. and that's really the only thing you, that you want to run away from mm-hmm. is Duessa in a full on Joseph style. Mm-hmm. Run like Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not because it, it's like that is how you fight Duessa. Yeah, if you, you run from you the do dragon, not fight Duessa by engaging her in conversation, no, or, or going or, off or, with her to the house of pride where no, they're all very fancy. There, you don't do that. You Duessa is more of a character who the job there is to get the out of there. Yeah, and it it did become. I'm sure we said this. It became sort of a catchphrase at our house, or it was just a yeah. vocab. You know, it was like oh. Yes, those are duesses on the magazine cover, so we're not going to look at that. Or, yeah, yeah, no, there's some duesses at the beach, so we're going to go over here. (laughs) And um, it works well, because then your children can say, ah, it's a duessa, and nobody knows what they mean. Nobody's really too tuned in. and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, one of my daughters, I can't remember which one, was quite shocked as a senior in high school to discover that duessa was not, in fact, the common term. Like, because we read Fairy Queen in high school, and I think I said this to the class, like, oh, yeah, in our house, it was, like, duesses. It was, like, like the what? world over. Everyone. I thought everyone called it duesses. Like, mm, no. Everyone hasn't no. been doing that all along. Exactly. That's funny. Um, Speaking of kids' books, I should say that Sir Battleot is actually 
up for pre-order. What? Yeah, it's out and about. How have I not seen this, Rachel? I don't know, but how have you not? I don't know. It is, though. It is. That is awesome. Out. When will it be delivered? Uh, I think it should be before Christmas. It is. They're doing uh, pre-ordering it now. And I have to say, I feel like it's difficult to talk about on Kit's book. Okay. And this is why. Yeah, why? I'll tell you. It's because I don't... It's not a curriculum. This book is not a curriculum from which you'll read it to your child and you'll come out the other end with a certificate of emotional (laughs) (laughs) self-control. Although that is a theme in the book, it's not meant to be a uh, felt board lesson. It's meant to just be silly a mm-hmm. silly story for little kids when like of course you can use it to talk about like this is what reminded me of it is we're talking about St. George and the Dragon and how often we did that with like your St. George you may not hurt the princess you may not no. fight your sisters yeah. you fight the dragon you protect you do your not sisters. point a yeah. nerf gun at any woman in our house like no. you may fight however many imaginary bad guys yeah. or other boys who have a gun that are yeah. playing with mm-hmm. you. I, although I should be clear I am i don't think we ever would have said they couldn't fight a sister who was also playing with a Nerf gun. But the point being yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we just, you may not run in and point a Nerf gun at your mother or yeah, something. Right. That no. would be the big, no. the big whoops doodly do. Yeah. Not the one that you do. And But basically we would use the story to talk about other things. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like mm-hmm. It was more like this is just something that now we share that you yeah. can talk about. And that is what Sherbatalot is meant to be. It's not really a yeah. steps one, two, and three to... No, it's just No, but fun it's story. funny because when you talk about it like it is, um, you know, I'm like, no, it's, it's maybe sillier than that. It's maybe mm-hmm. just meant to be... A funny story. A funny story to that you mm-hmm. would enjoy. <laughs> well, that is so fun. I yeah, can't believe I didn't know this. Fun. Yeah. So that's awesome. Have you not? You probably haven't even seen. Forrest Dickinson did the illustrations, which is super fun. He, we have a big um, painting over our fireplace. Well, we have two paintings by him. One over our fireplace. One of cows that he did that I love. Uh, and he and he and I are both Logos alums. Yeah. Both. He has a master's from NSA, and I. I'm an undergrad and, and I'm not graduated yet from the MFA, but we're we're alums yeah. of different things. It's a really yeah. fun, it's a super fun mm-hmm. kids book. I love That's the illustrations. Awesome. Uh, and I'm glad to have finally gotten a thing done because it was all the way back when um, Shad was a hot and hot toddler that I called him Sir Badalot. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's that. 10. So <laughs> when I remember being like, I should write a book about Sir Battlelot. Like well, that's that's, awesome. that's a name that we need to use somewhere. I wanted to make him a T-shirt that said Sir Battlelot. That's actually how it all came <laughs> to pass. But that's great. Anyways, it is available, and I think everything that's pr- all the pre-orders. I'm supposed to sign all the pre-orders, and they come with a little print that Forrest is going to sign. How fun! So I'm telling you, go to Canon. Pre-order yeah, Sir Battlelot if you so if your heart so desires. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, it is. It's it'll be fun to see it. I'm supposed. To, I think sometime this week we'll we're supposed to actually see a hard copy of it that that's will have arrived. Yeah, super fun. Very fun. Oh man! So there's your there's your hot tip. Yeah, that okay. was my hot tip. I guess I feel like did we leave the? I don't think we left the modesty topic hanging out there too much but I would just say that I none of our laughing about immodesty is the same thing as saying we love whatever weird obsessive turtleneck and jumper enforcing cultures have existed before no but the reality is no here's the thing this is as predictable as I mean it is like as day follows night the that attempt to clamp down, be super um, legalistic, and think that you can um, you can make rules enough that will get rid of sin. Yeah, that always is going to result in a total reactionary ping pong to the other. Yeah, problem. It never, it's never worked. 
No, it doesn't. And so I do know that there was, there was a hugely legalistic, moralistic, pietistic thing in the nineties that was very separatist. That was very like, we will simply make enough rules that then it won't be a problem anymore. Mm -hmm. And then lo, it didn't work. Everything was a problem. Everybody resents it. They ricochet out the other side. They're all being licentious and terrible now. It's like, that's just how it goes. And I feel like that's something to, in your own parenting, to realize that it doesn't, I feel like the people who think, see, now my boys can just hang out with girls like that is no biggie. Um, So weird to me. It's like they are also as full of wishful thinking because as, no, as it, their parents were. as delusional about, Because their parents thought, yeah. if we just have enough rules, then nobody will struggle with sin. And they're like, if we could just open all the windows and then there's no restrictions, then nobody will struggle with sin. And guess what's pretty constant? Yeah, the sin. sin. The sin is there. So, you gotta... And you I gotta, think it's just... I think the part that I would love to see more... Like, the reality to me is it's a big exhibition of unbelief. Because, first of all... I'm not saying everyone involved is unbelievers, but I'm right. saying it's a it is an exhibition of a place of unbelief. Yeah. And this is because there are all of the authorities cited in all of this. Nobody is like, let's go back to the word. Right. Nobody. It's like our therapists, what we learned on a self-esteem program. Yeah. How we you know, none yeah. of it is actually going back to say, what does God say about this? And anytime you have that moment, like say you're in a church and the church has started to be weird, you know, like things are weird and bad. And like people are telling you that if you don't cook freezer meals for the month, you're not okay with God, mm-hmm. you know, whatever things are getting legalistic and bizarre yep. in your church. If you ricochet out of that, and not back to the word, not back to like, let's get back to what God says. But instead you're just running away from yeah. the abuses or the foolishness or the confusion of whatever little community you're in. It's like, you're not, you're not making things better. Well, it's like, let's say you were lost in the woods and you do have a map in your pocket, but for whatever reason, you're not going to get it out No. And the, the, one of the people in your party last time said I think we should turn left and that proved to be a bust so now you're like left we're is... never going to turn left yeah. we're only going to turn right from now on from now on like... we're going to go in tight circles the other direction <laughs> but it's sort of like what that is not the way to get yourself out of this mess you need to go back to the map and no, figure and out I, and where, are, where am I I've and been, how can I get back to the path I've been thinking this because of we're reading numbers right now and I uh in the Bible read challenge and I was thinking about how good it is. We kinda talked about this last time, but or maybe that was the episode that got lost. Who knows? Um but I was thinking how good it is to regularly like we've talked a lot about how you can't get your brain around what the world was actually like. Yeah. But I was realizing how much reading that and doing it repeatedly and trying to understand what's happening shapes you outside of just your current culture into understanding actually humanity and mankind and God in a different Mm -hmm. way than just like my current circuit. You know what I mean? I just, it just gives you a bigger perspective and how healthy that is. Oh my word. To get out of your own little vortex of this is like, and that's, I think it was part of what I was seeing in the, comment thread there was sort of like the options are denim jumpers or skimpy tube tops right and that's it weirdly i think kind of almost as if we planned it ties in with what we were saying at the beginning about any excuse is a good excuse to not have to right get good at what you're what's in front of you right you know what i mean it could be you're too so the great too much time not enough trial of your youth was that your mom wouldn't let you wear mini skirts but you know, that's not an excuse right now to not no. be trying no. to honor God or not be like to have zero thought about yeah. what God thinks of the styles mm-hmm. you're buying now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I do feel like there's always already excuse no matter what, 
when there's some duty in front of you or some path of obedience in front of you that you know is there but you don't want to walk on for some reason. You find it boring, you find it threatening, you find it tedious, whatever. Just the cost um, seems too high or mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. or you know. And the threatening thing I think is a big thing. I think a lot of times we don't we don't take the step down the path that we are sort of convicted we ought to go down because it is threatening. It's like, well, what will be asked of me next? What then? If I give in on Yeah, this if I front, give in right here, then right. then what will happen next? And, um... Oh, really quick. We have just a couple minutes left. Somebody... I did say we were trying to talk about this. Somebody wrote in and asked about... Do you remember she said a guy came to the to their farm that she runs with her husband and does all you know a ton of the work they really together have built this thing and did you read this question no and she totally believes in her husband being the head of the house and everything else like doesn't have any struggle with that doesn't think she's a feminist etc but some man came in and kept persistently referring to her husband as the boss like can I talk to the boss and where's the boss and how that really got under her skin. And she was trying to figure out why. And if that's a problem that it got under her skin. Because she doesn't think that she has any sort of latent um, feminist tendencies. But so really bothered her. So what would you say to that? I would say probably. Because it, what does it matter what some other person I calls think, him? You know what I mean? Like... I would. Think, I could see thinking this is odd. I don't plan to use this form of address when I talk to other people. You know I what I mean? I was thinking probably the solution would not be to confess latent feminism in your heart, um, but more to think when somebody is being obnoxious, which he probably was. Yeah. Seeing it as funny rather than seeing it as a threat. Or yeah, maybe. you know what I mean. Like trying to see the I would humor. Think, in I would it. guess I would think. Yeah, <coughs> I could see things bothering me if somebody because every once in a while someone says something. What is what is weird is when you don't like someone's approach, but they are like acting like you and they agree yes. perfectly on yes. this, and you're like, I'd like to clarify that that's not my position. You yeah. know, like that's yeah. not. Um, you know, whatever. But it's hard to... I guess I would say it's hard to tell from a long way away. But I would think it would matter more that it's... If you love your husband being in in the position of authority in your home and in your family. Then you don't need to worry why you... You know what I mean? Like if you've embraced scripture. Yeah. You don't really need to be panicky that you have a big sin problem there. Yeah, because you I didn't like just, the tone of voice. Well, so, but you know. it's also probably the inference that he does the work and you're kind of a sure. lesser and everything. But I feel like that's just one of those things where when somebody's being obnoxious or tedious, try to see them as a as character a in a story. A, yeah. as a mouse is good. A mouse is good. Beatrix Potter style or like Bramley Hedge. People's foibles yeah. are much funnier in a mouse. Yeah, like, put them into the like caric- the Cinderella mice. Yeah, be like what the kind caricature. Of a mouse would the he caricature, be? like the the heavy set mouse with a briefcase and a fish's, Yeah, you know, like there's some of the it. The one is who just takes like, himself too seriously. Yeah, you know, there's just it's good to see the world more as caricatures. Only sometimes. if you see Woo. yourself also as a mouse and not as Cinderella. Yeah. Um, baby kicking. Yeah. Oh, look at that. He's, he's oh, just sticking so a foot out oh, and yeah. That's awesome. dragging it around. This is a busy baby is one of the situations of my life. Yeah. Is- and also I would just like to say here we go again planning a wedding and you are also mm-hmm. going to be taken up with this pregnancy. <laughs> Lord willing, but not I will as not close to yeah. be pregnant yeah. by the time. No, not by the time I they get married. Luke, but I in like, the know, thick of the planning times. I think God's the the design of pregnancy is so well done because man, by the end of the pregnancy, it's so unpleasant. You're ready in so You're many ready. ways that that the thought of just having a newborn at home sounds much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you just took you in your regular life yeah, and you were like, 
now have a newborn <laughs> at home, it would not feel right. much easier. Right. I don't actually know because when we had the twins, mm-hmm. it was just that was like the that was just like the next level of mm-hmm. difficulty. Mm-hmm. We were it was so many, you know. Lena had turned three, but it was three, barely three, four, three, and under. Yeah, and. It was so physically exhausting and demanding and crazy, whatever. Then we had Blair, and both of us, Luke and I, were both just like, this is the easiest thing we've ever done in our lives, because only one of us has to hold the baby. Like, the twins that were now, now we were like, you know, they were like two and a half or something. So we kind of, things were much more... Yeah. reasonable at yeah. that point. And it was so easy to have Blair that then when I was pregnant with Shad, I yeah. thought the whole time one baby's really easy. And I, the whole time when he was a baby, I was like, this is much harder <laughs> than I thought it was going to be. So then yeah. with Moses, I was all geared up for it to be much harder. And it was not, it was, yeah. it's like your perception yeah. of what's going to happen. I have no idea how, I don't know. Like part of me yeah. feels like this is going to, this is gonna hit us so hard that we are not gonna know. <laughs> <coughs> right now, the one that I think this baby is really warming up hot for. If I open my eyes in the night, he starts whomping around and kicking, oh, and wow. I'm like, "Your schedule is not promising right now." Like, <laughs> like let's let's yeah, we should figure yeah. this out. But anyways, it's all I'm saying is, who can say whether I will be like, "Wow, so." easy after the newborn or if I'm going to be like I don't know how anyone survives having a newborn we're going to wait and see it'll be interesting it's kind of a wait and see how it goes this time plan it'll be fun well all right guys until next time okay goodbye